0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and gamers of all ages, it is us, the Force Gamers. It is I, your host, um, that dude (laughs) who introduces himself every week. You know, by now, it's me, Game Goblin. I'm also sitting side by side with...
1: Darth Blasphemous,
2: hail to the dark side. And... Cathercan, the Lord Dragon.
0: And Moniker is out yet for another week Due to school stuff Cause, you know, college kids and all that
1: Aw, oh, to be young again <laughs> To
0: be young and Study and midterms and crap Or whatever the fuck he's doing So, uh, while he's away uh, We're gonna do a one-shot episode <laughs> On one-shots One-shot campaigns The good, the bad, and the fugly Indeed, indeed All right, well, let's get to the uh, intro and get on with the show. Button. Feeling tired at the gaming table? Want to hear foul-mouthed jackasses poke fun at gaming companies when they screw up? Want an honest, street-level opinion from a team of gamers that call it like it is? Then Blunt Force Gamers may be the podcast for you. Listener discretion advised. (laughs) That's this the way, <laughs> life mine, I'm yeah. gonna make it shine. <laughs> uh, Every time. That's the way, uh-huh, uh-huh, I like it. Uh. One-shots are awesome. Yeah. Kind of. They can be. Yeah, I've been in some really cool one-shots, uh, going way back in history. I'm gonna open up with Old Man story time. Ooh, we're getting the member berries out. We're getting the member berries. Hey, I got more gray hairs on my chin. And then, like, I don't know, stuff. <laughs> it's a variable forest of turning into Santa Claus with a goatee, like evil Santa.
1: <laughs> well, Krampus did have, you know, that
0: solid black hair, you know. Krampus is BDSM Santa. For the naughty boys who need to be punished. <laughs> <laughs> Except anyway. that
1: one story where he eats kids.
0: Hey, when you get when you're hungry, dude, anything goes. I <laughs> I have been to the point of hunger where I've smelled like a baby being pushed in a stroller past me, and I start to salivate.
1: <laughs> That's
0: when you know you need food bad. It was like uh, right after 9/11, and I hadn't eaten for four days. Then I smelled a baby. God, it smelled delicious. <laughs>
1: Uh, So, Old Man Story. Old Man
0: Story. Uh, My first uh, actual, legitimate roleplay game with books and all the rules that come with them and all that shit was actually at DreamCon 9 back around 95? I want to say 95 or 96. One of those two. The long time. Ancient days! I was four. Yeah. I
2: wasn't even that.
0: And the weird part is... Some of the people that were in that one shot game I still talk to even to this day.
1: Holy shit, you actually have friends.
0: My first GM I wanna say Jedi Master. This awesome dude named Matthew Chase, he lives down in Seattle. He's this tall, super skinny dude, but he used to have a little super long hair. He played some of the creepiest fucking characters, dude, even Yeah. Even getting you to cringe? He gives me a run for my money. Like Damn. he was playing a Zemisi who would sneak up behind you and just like stand behind your shoulder and lick his fingers and shit, and just like sniff you. <laughs> <laughs> that was his whole bag was just to creep you out. And of course, since he's a tall dude, he's like six foot five or some shit.
2: Oh jeez, it
0: really helped. Uh, but that game was my first official game, and it was a one shot LARP, and it also opened with like one of the classic jokes that went on for cons for like the next four years. It became infamous. There was about, I would say, an easy 40 people in the auditorium when when we did character creation and sign-up. And Mr. Chasey opens up by saying, Alright, there's some women in the group, so men, please refrain from sexist comments. Without any fucking... <laughs> of course. Immediately, somebody had to yell out, Flatfoot. Yeah. So, Flatfoot got yelled out almost immediately afterwards, and of course, kitchen, then ironing board, and the joke became when we were out of character to walk around the convention going, LARP, 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 Flatfoot, LARP, 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 kitchen, LARP, 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 pregnant. (laughs) And this went on for like four fucking years. (laughs) Now, the Camarilla, uh, the Camarilla LARP club was really young at this point, and um, I made fun of Wade Racine, who we... Fucking drove him crazy. Fucking hella crazy. Anyway, uh, the old man story is that started off as a one-shot, and that got me started in gaming, and to herald back to the last episode when I mentioned playing as many games as you possibly can, cons were my one-shot auditorium. Uh, I played Chill, I played GURPS, I played Rifts, I played Dungeons & Dragons, I played Vampire the Masquerade. I would go to a convention with a book of character sheets on me and plan on Friday... Friday was my role play day. Saturday was party. Sunday was try to find a way home day. So sat Friday all day long, dude, it was one shot games. I would find a bunch of games lined up. And if I had not played it yet, I'd be like, fuck, I want it on that. I'm going to play some Cinnabar. I'm going to play some Amber. I'm going to play whatever the fuck Bunnies and Burrows is. (laughs) Legit, it's a true game. (laughs) I believe this. And, yes, the most... And, like, D&D. D&D has, uh... Drizzt is the most overdone character. In Bunnies and Burrows, always expect there to be at least three Peters. Three Peters. Anyway. Uh, going on that, all those one-shot campaigns were fucking great. Uh, convention gaming is one of the best for one-shots because the GM is always prepared for the game beforehand. The GM has an idea of what game he wants to run with whomever. They're they're very open to suggestion as far as characters. As long as your numbers meet the rules, most GMs don't give a fuck. So, there's that and the fact that in one-shot campaigns, you could be playing a character, uh, like a LARP character, my first one. I took him to that LARP, and then I took him down to the Red Square in Seattle at the University of Washington, played the same character in a LARP there. And all the character wanted, the GM, all he wanted to do was make sure I had a track record of where I got my XP, where I spent my XP, and all my points on my character sheet at that time of play were legitimate. So most one-shot games is a great way to, to revitalize a character you haven't played in the past. Uh, you know, one that you like, oh, I, I wish I could play him again, and I haven't been able to play him for the last year. No game has popped up where I can play this character. Bam, one shot at a convention. You can bring that character back especially if uh, the GM doesn't have pre-generated character sheets. It's a good way to get to know new game systems, and again, like I said, some of the people from my first LARP, we still talk to each other this day. So, <laughs> there's quite a few of them. And, Woodshot campaigns in the home doesn't happen so often, but at game shops and conventions, primarily, that's where you're going to find them. That's or periodically,
2: m- you like other gaming
0: environments, you can find them too. Well, that's my old man's story. Is, you know... First, I'm going to sing the praises of them. In other gaming environments. Other gaming environments. Where do you game other than a game store or at a convention? Bars. Bars? Certain
2: game-centric bars will have pickup games like this. But most of the time, it is conventions and game shops. And periodically, the very brave soul who's like, Hey, uh, you, you know, go up to a random establishment and be like... So I brought in, you know, five and six people when we play a game, is that cool?
0: Well, there's also the thing on the GM side, and I know this from experience, so and to, and to antithetical Antidotal evidence.
1: Anecdotal evidence.
0: Yeah. Which means it can be disregarded. But I know. Uh, one shot campaigns is a great way for new GMs to figure out how much they suck. <laughs> Because we had one where I got a bunch of guys who uh, came from work, and uh, actually this happened more than once, we got a bunch of guys from work that came over to the living room and I just wanted to see, you know, if these guys were worth introducing to my primary game group. I'm like, you know, we got a couple of weeks downtime, I'll run a a one-shot with some co-workers. Yeah, um, no, never again. (laughs) Never again, no. Just, No. No. Never again. Never. No.
1: <laughs> I think we broke Goblin. He's stuck in a loop. Just... I mean, I've had other experience with one-shots. The main way I use them is a bunch of us are bored at a game store and I just happen to have my books on me or I live close enough where I just run home to grab them. Uh, and it's easy to limit it to just the core books because especially when you have multiple copies of the core books yourself you can just, I'm going to go grab these, come back, all right. You know, share the books, two or three of you work on it at the same time, and go from there, but uh, also whenever I'm running a campaign, I've had to do one-shots when, like, I like to run groups of five, that way I can always run with at least three, unless we're in the middle of a story arc portion. And then I'm like, alright, you know what, let's just one-shot it, this is something your characters did during the downtime a couple days ago, kind of thing. Um, I, I use them in that way for filler, and... It worked really well last winter when we got all that snow up here. So that now three of my players um, are like super bound together in holding the secret from the other players. Because they just don't want to talk about it.
0: <laughs>
1: um, you know, that, that's been my use. But I've seen people use one-shots to test out new players just as Goblin was talking about.
0: Never again.
1: Um, and it's definitely a fun way. Like, I, I haven't really been one to... One-shot at a con because if I'm at con, I've got so many other things I want to do. I can game at home with people I actually want to game with, but I've done it before to like test out new games. That's how I found Laser Metal, and we had this epic band theme going on, and it was
0: great. <laughs> yeah, I did a uh, one-shot similar to that, and it turned out to be actually kind of awesome. Going to a convention, sitting down with a bunch of pens and papers and books. And it led to the biggest regret of my life. God damn it. My life sucks. <laughs> what was
1: this great regret?
0: Okay, um... Well, it all started with a joke. One of the other players thought I was funny. Okay, so, old man story. I get to go to, I think it was uh, Dream 10. It was the next year. I go back, and uh, I see this dude. Pretty suave-looking motherfucker. I mean, he's got, like, the full, thick, black hair. They're like the pencil mustache going on, I mean, the guy was, like, pretty pimp, you know, so he looked like he was, you know, ready to rock that shit, he's playing a game called Mage, and I'm like, what the fuck is a mage, I'm just playing a vampire, and he's like, well, Mage is like, I show up to the game, and I have to bring a storyteller to say yes or no, I'm like, wow, he's like, yeah, it's really powerful, but there's this thing called quintessence, and Paradox, and he boils it down for me real quick, and I'm like, "That, uh, I thought werewolf was complicated, because in World of Darkness, you get vampires, werewolves, mages, and in old school, wraiths, and then of course, the one group nobody cares about, changelings. What
1: about mummies?
0: Fuck mummies. Fuck them in the neck. Fuck them with a broken piece of razor wire, rusted in the neck. A lot. With power tools. Power tool attached, rusted razor wire neck fuckage. <laughs> fuck mummies. Regardless, uh, I'm down and I, I keep watching this dude because I, you know, number one, he's an interesting, seemingly guy. You, know, you get those players who show up at the table and they raise the bar, and you're like, God, this guy is on a whole other level of role playing than I am. I've got to step my shit up. So I was watching him, you know, because I'm new to role playing. So I'm watching everybody, you know, learning and picking up stuff here and there that I like out of role-playing. Number two, he's playing a mage. is something I have no experience with, and I'm interested in everything role-playing at this point. And he plays his character, and of course, he thought it was funny because we conclude the adventure. And from the Tremere Chantry, they're like, Oh, well, we give you one reward of whatever your choice is, within reason. And I'm like, I need the... Fetal juice, you know, the umbilical fluid from a Himalayan albino yak with three legs. (laughs) So, you know, the GMU looks at me, he's like, you need what? I'm like, I need a pregnant albino Himalayan yak with three legs. I need the umbilical juice from that. Two pints would be great, but I'll take a pint. And of course, you know the GM he rolls some dice in the background and makes some shit up, and he's like, Yes, we have that. <laughs> so, my combat gangrel He's just a like total combat monkey. He's a gangrel with a sword and protein. Fuck everything, right? Raw <laughs> rag, damage for everybody, but the, 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 I asked for the most outlandish motherfucking thing that was a combat monkey. And, of course, there's some snickers around the table because they know I'm making shit up. And the GM is just like, okay, dude, whatever. Here's your item. Here's your XP. Get the fuck out of the room. Years later, I'm going to uh, Machine Works uh, when it was still down in Seattle. And this dude happens to also have a membership there. It was a private club. You need to know somebody to get in. And I got in through another dude entirely. However, we meet up and I'm like, holy shit, dude, it's the mage. And he's like, it's the three-legged yak dude. (laughs) So I was kind of remembered for my stupidity of doing dumb shit at a convention. So, you know, we sat down, we had drinks. And then he uh, happened to be friends with this super hot Chinese gal, Emmy. Yeah, and she was into me. And I was just having a bad day one day And I got beyond fucking Roasty drunk To the point where my friends had to carry me out And all the way down the street And toss me in the back of a pickup truck I was too drunk to realize That she was coming on to me God damn it Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) This
0: is the shit gaming can lead to (laughs) When you meet an interesting dude Who has an interesting friend And she's into you and you're into her But you're too fucking drunk yeah. Womp, womp. This is what a one shot can lead to. <laughs> that vampire game I was in, where that dude was playing a mage and I'm playing comic girl. That that was a one shot.
1: <laughs> this is
0: the shit of my life. <laughs> and if Amy's still out there, I hope she's having a great life cuz damn she was awesome. My biggest regret is not hooking up with this awesome gal because I was too drunk because a one shot game led me to meet a dude. <laughs> 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 Oh, God uh, damn
1: it. <laughs> and that's the kind of epicness one-shots can lead to. I still see this guy at RadCon uh, every year. And every time just in the hallways we'll pass and one of us will be like, Yeah, fucking, uh, what was our band name? Uh, watery Grave. <laughs> and just randomly walking through the halls. And it's like, oh shit, I remember now.
0: Dude, what a con- at the convention circuit doing one-shot games, it's not only just a great... Learning adventure that you can take personally to go into four or five different games in one day and just binge those fuckers out to learn new systems or whatever. You're going to meet a fuck ton of people and make a lot of conference. Yeah, so you walk around at fucking Radcon. Yeah, water buffaloes! Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to happen for years, dude.
1: Yeah, and it, it's definitely one of those things of. Uh... Shit can get really good when you're doing one-shots at cons or just to meet new people. You know, you see an advertisement at a shop, you know, looking to run a campaign on this day, one-shot, pre-made character sheets, blah, blah, show up. And you can make friends that turn into, you know, full-on games and all that shit.
0: Well, one-shots have a lot of uh, different benefits to them. Of course, you know, I keep harping on learning. And the thing about gaming that is different from almost any other hobby is you will make lifelong friends straight up people you will meet at the game table i mean apparently if you sit down at a table with somebody long enough and roll dice you'll get invited to their house <laughs> apparently or invited to go to their wedding or invited to meet their new kid gaming is the one of the weirdest fucking hobbies for that shit
1: or be their new roommate because i got kicked out of the last place thanks a lot for that again it's awesome now
0: <laughs> or yeah or be their roommate <laughs> Yeah. However, we're not roommates because of a one-shot game. That I recall a one-shot game did not lead us to this point.
1: True. It was a two-year campaign.
0: It was Yeah, it was a two-year campaign. All the same.
2: You can get a lot of interesting things from one-shots. And the tricky thing is, like, how do you build an adventure meant to be completed in one session? Most GMs, this is an interesting thing from the GM side as well. Because... In order to do this, you need something simple, mostly direct, and achievable in a three to five-hour span, which is
1: kind of tricky to balance. I've got an easy one for this. It's what I've done the last three times, and two out of three, it went and went off really well. All right, you're in this town. Uh, you know, bartender asks you if you could help with an issue. Some of them are, you know, pooling together money to have someone fix. GIANT RATS! Monster out in the woods, right? Alright. Players say, sure, they'll do it. Because you got, like, three people. They they figure they can have half-ass it, you know. And you kind of just have something that's around their challenge difficulty. Especially if you know them. Or at least go by the basic CR stuff, whatever. Um... And they go off adventuring into the woods. Two out of three of the parties. Had some fun adventures. Fought the monster. Or find out it wasn't a monster either way I 50 50 it and I just bullshitted my way through it I didn't have a full-fledged plan it was just let's kill some time when it's snowing outside or let's kill some time because we're bored or everyone's here and two people called out at the last minute <laughs> um the one group that didn't have a good time I made a made it a little more story intensive where it was oh yes this great lord invites you in and they are just fighting it the whole time it's like, oh, you need to go on an adventure. They'll escort you out to the area. All right. I'm going to sit here and talk to the fairies. What? <laughs> and this is the
2: other problem that you face.
1: Yes. Yeah, so the- the player characters
2: are the X-Factor, and they will go 180.
0: Pre- Any way your story is supposed to be predicted to go, predict it will go Not every other way. direction.
1: <laughs> Not that way.
0: Not yeah. that way. Sorry, but
1: when you got someone who just wants to play an anarcho-communist, or, um, a, you know, an anarchist, basically, they just do whatever they feel.
0: An anarcho-communist fucking druid. They were a
1: kobold, but yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it really can side rail, and that's where you know, alright, you know, not gonna seriously game with these certain people, but these two put them on the side burner for invite to game.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's actually a really great way to get to know people, like their gaming style, not just their personality, but their gaming style, if they're going to mesh with your group, that kind of thing. Uh, I wound up there was a uh, game store in Everett I went to and that's actually the dude uh, at Spokan mm-hmm. last year I was telling you about. Yeah, um we we made peace and that's that's pretty cool cuz he was a cool dude back then and I, I want to maintain that he's got coolness going on now apparently he was having some bad shit in his life and we made peace and of course it spoke on but we first met back in like 97 old man time
1: i was 6
0: yep uh, <laughs> jesus fuck
1: Tell
0: Carry on with your story right, well, and don't I, lament your
1: age
2: <laughs>
0: I, I know right I'm about ready to break out a, a fucking walker With lightsabers Mounted on the front of you Just start walking around the house Jeez Anyway uh, We met At A local game store Here in Everett And That's how they Recruited me To his game group And a couple of other people I uh, knew at the time One of the three of us Who got recruited Well that dude uh, I'm kind of glad He disappeared uh, Brad was an awesome guy, though. And that's what they did, is they ran a one-shot campaign at a game store, and it was a recruitment fair. They just didn't tell, of course, game stores don't like this kind of shit, for their own reasons. And I, I see both sides of the, the story being on both sides. But that's how it worked, is uh, if you go to a game store and somebody's running a one-shot, they might be talent scouting. If you're looking for a campaign that you want to play full-time, that's probably gonna happen if somebody's running a one shot and you go in, you sit down, and if they like you and you think you're gonna mesh with the rest of their group, they're gonna bring you into the fold and you know, okay, hey, you know, we run a game every other Saturday at my place, come on over. That that could fucking happen. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. That's isn't that pretty much how you got me? Oh uh, was that just because I was the DM apprentice?
0: You were well you're weird. Da-da-da! Yeah. Uh, you were you all you were GM Apprentice, but we also did bounce a lot of ideas off each other. There was a lot of parking lot conversations, a lot of behind the counter conversations. So I already knew what you had going on before we even rolled dice together. It's part of the joy of you know being the guy behind the counter at a local game store.
1: I was chosen because I was FNG.
0: Every group should have an FNG. Yep. Every group. That's my my standard. And f will think of the craziest fucking shit. And it will be the best shit sometimes. Like
1: turning uh, fire suppressant water into holy water.
0: Well, it's uh, like a story I was reading the other day where, like, their fucking new person, she asked if she got a bonus to her attack roll, and when the GM asked why, she's like, well, the ground is prone. <laughs> what? <laughs> but that's the kind of shit you get from new people. It's fucking great. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're running a one-shot campaign, you're going to meet some FNGs who are, you know, they're sticking their toes in the water. We did one down in Linwood with Scott, great guy, and he was doing a 1920s uh, X-Files style game. Mm -hmm. So it was X-Files, but set in 1920s, and we were all playing UFO enthusiasts, and I play a fucking gangster pinstripe power suit and shit and actually the guy who came along with me was relatively new to power gaming so he played Mickey <laughs> and Mickey was my mook <laughs> <laughs> and so I'd be walking around you know as everybody else is talking along and they could fucking recognize instantly that I'm in on the take when it comes to bootlegging you know I, I'm power pinstripe suit and everything and then I got this big Italian mook who's like hey uh, Tony want me to hit him <laughs> yeah uh, here I am all trying you know back in Jersey we would you know we would deal with a man like you uh, Tony is that my uh call to beat his ass No I'm, I'm threatening him right now Mickey shut up you know, so that, we were playing off each other so he who's the FNG doing that shit <laughs> And what was also great about it we had a retired gentleman there at our table and he decided to play a medical student who was a woman in the 1920s. Which we all know was difficult as fuck, but this dude did his research. I was like, "That's pretty fucking awesome." So he read, you know, read up on the women's liberation movement and feminism in the 1920s. He read up on, of course, uh, the prohibition. He wrote, he read up on voting rights, women's suffrage, and he built a character, you know, based on some of these, you know, bigger political facets, and he played it really fucking well. And all the other player characters like, I was the only one who was blatantly sexist at the table. This is 1920s. He's a dame. Or I should say, she's a dame. Right? So that's the way you talk to a dame. Hey, I got nice gams. What are you doing in a UFO club? (laughs) You know, shouldn't you be off, you know, baking cookies and making kids? And he just fucking grinned behind his character sheet. And he's like, you're playing to the times. Where everybody else is like, ma'am miss and opening doors for her and like throwing their jackets on sidewalks practically and I'm like
1: That's fifty shit.
0: Yeah, I'm like, uh dude, no. Um That's not how that era worked. I mean dudes were polite to women but not that polite, alright? But yeah, so he 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 was actually like happy that I was playing it up to the times, but he was an FNG uh the retiree dude and his wife had only passed away like a year previously. Mm. Yeah, and he wanted something to do with his life. His wife had passed away. He had been taking care of her full time. But he didn't want to go the route of other retirees where they'd sit around and make fucking model airplanes in the garage or birdwatch or anything. He wanted something that was social and interactive. So he chose role playing. I'm like, dude, more props to you.
2: Yeah. Come to my
0: table, please.
2: And doing your research is, you know, something not everyone does as well.
0: Yeah, he was an intelligent guy. I mean, his role-playing game wasn't, like, straight on the ball. But he was doing his research, and he was playing to the times. He was playing to the character. What more could you ask for out of an FNG? Mm-hmm. You really can't
2: get much, unless yeah. they just kind of intuitively start picking it up.
0: True that. So, you know, these are in the F... That's, that's the kind of people you're going to meet. It's just crazy. Yeah. Hey, Tony, does that mean you want me to beat the old man's ass? No! You know here's another
1: aspect to one-shots. I kind of want to pose a bit more towards Kaz. All righty. For special events like holidays or just big one-off get-togethers or birthdays. like I know you had one for your birthday, didn't you? Yes, I did. So what, what's a good way to use those? He's like, I've been wanting to try and do a Halloween one-shot. I advertised it at the shop. Didn't get a lot of uh, feedback. A bunch of people said they wanted to or they were busy that week. And, uh, like, like, what's your take on the special event one-shot?
2: The special event one-shot goes one of two ways. One, let's take Halloween, because it's right around the corner. You get something that's pleasantly spooky and mildly horror-themed. Spoopy! More. Spoopy, right? You get your spooky game and players have fun. And then they either choose to want to continue in that world... Mm -hmm. Or, you have to have it built up within your world that this is a thing that happens around this time of year. You have to include it in your world war long, long, long prior to this. Mm -hmm. So you know, it's it's Halloween time, right? If I wanted to do some manner of Christmas-style celebration, I would start dropping hints about it now in games, Mm -hmm. right? you know hey there's going to be a great big festival in two or three months you know it's going to be all about this spirit of togetherness right something similar to that you know the every you know every major town's going to have some kind of celebration that's going to typically involves you know the local druid circle bringing one of their you know bringing their magic together to build like a giant tree Monument.
0: Or we have to sacrifice 12 pigs, 12 chickens, 12 goats, 12 people, 12 horses. 12 horses.
2: Right. 12 dogs. You you have to, you know, bring this stuff up long in advance if you're going to make it feel like it's actually part of the world. Mm -hmm. And you get, you know, sometimes these things have rather wacky after effects. Like, uh, Doc Martin had a character, he was playing a warlock and, uh, Grognak was DMing. He did a one-off turkey hunt event, basically modeled the, the these giant gobblers as a variant on dinosaurs, right? So they used stat blocks from dinosaurs of some kind and they were just big, big motherfucking turkeys. We tried to take on a turkey that was a little bit above our pay grade in this world, got our asses kicked, and our warlock just He developed a full-on phobia of the things, because it legitimately got his character. Pretty well bad.
0: Beware the gobbler!
2: Yeah, and like, you know, the idea was, you know, you you catch and kill this, this gobbler, and the town eats it. You know, everyone gets to enjoy the spoils. It didn't pan out very well for us, but that's not surprising. So you get this kind of... Because that was a mixture of the two. That was alluded to, like, two weeks prior, and then dropped on us. So it didn't really feel like it quite fit the world. Mm Mm-hmm. Especially when there's other bigger things going on in that campaign, like, uh... Dragons have come back, and, you know, lots of badness ensuing with that. So it's like... I get that the idea here is to inject a moment of kind of festivity and to draw a little bit of commentary within the group and the NPCs, but it didn't
1: really work out in his favor. Well, that's one way to do it, definitely if you have a running campaign, but if you just want to say, alright guys, um, here's, we're just going to take your character's And run through this scenario where it's kind of like sideline from the timeline, right? Like, if you were just like, all right, you guys want to keep playing your characters or their backup characters, you know, just stretch their legs with that, you know, be like, all right, here's the, here's the run. You just pull it out, like, all right, we're just going to do this one shot, grab your character sheets, you know, no real long-term implications, run in something like that. And you can
2: do that, like, it works especially well with backup characters,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: you know? what stories do those characters have that they bring to the table when they walk up to the party, right? Say we're playing, you know, mid-high level, Peck Peck, right? Oh yeah. Peck Peck is a very good example of this from our games, and for those of you who don't know, <laughs> Peck Peck is the result of a blasphemous character reading off a sepia snake sigil, which got him, and he was out for an entire session Two sessions. Two. So the GM, Goblin, goes, Okay, just to keep you still involved, here's a character sheet with
1: combat abilities. Now go kill the party.
0: Yeah, here's an NPC. You're the bad guy. Go!
1: Two-dimensional, totally scribbled down on a scrap piece of paper. You know. And thus the story of Peck Peck became a legend, is the fact that
2: he did a voice. He brought this character to life, which also brought a bunch of story elements for him becoming integrated into the party. He became my follower at 7th level. Exactly. So he's, you know, a couple of levels behind. He's a, you know, he's joining in on the party. Because the party has fought him. But they can see that he has value. And he's mercenary enough that he's willing to
1: do it. Come on. Goblin and power armor? Why not? Exactly. He was a fun character and he was well done. But, you know. Yes, power
0: do- armor can be done in d and I'm not going to teach anybody how, but I can do it. Numbers are all there.
1: (laughs) You tried to build a goddamn
0: Veritech. Veritechs are hard. (laughs) Even the minimum cost of building a Veritech is just insane. We're looking at millions of gold pieces and at least five years of in-game time. Just to build the fuselage.
1: (laughs) So we go through and we... The entire campaign is centered around slaying dragons so we can make Veritex to slay more
0: dragons.
2: Circular logic.
0: I I can do more effective damage with a a fucking handful of gold pieces than I can of Veritex. (laughs) Shalom.
2: Anyways.
0: Open borders for Absalom.
2: (laughs) But a one-shot is a really good way to get your, your backup characters to have some story depth, you know? What are their feats, right? Blasphemous character dies. His new character comes in, and he's a blank slate with numbers on a paper, and gets welcomed into the group. What stories does he bring? What stories does this new character bring to the group of their accomplishments to convince the party that they're worth their time? You know, you don't have that unless you have some way of exploring that character, and exploring that character in a one-shot is a really useful way to do it.
0: Well, I think one of the other problems too with a one-shot, and speaking as a GM, and this is just a side note, really, is that when you're running a standard campaign, like like Darth Blasphemous he has a plan, takes many game sessions to get that plan to go through.
1: Many more because players are slow.
0: Exactly, Kazurkan and myself you know, we GM much the same way, we get a plan, there's this storyline, it goes from point A to point B to point C to point D, and so on and so on and so forth. You can't do this with a one-shot. Uh, this is the problem with the one-shot campaign, is your your point to A to B, Z, D, whatever. It's a lot shorter. And going back again on experience and I don't want to mention any names, so I'm just going to mention him as Dr. Gobblecock, and Dr. Gobblecock uh, was running a D&D game and I lost interest in it over the course of time, but then he said, oh, I'm doing a Rifts game, and I thought it was going to be campaign, but it turned into a one-shot, and one of the big problems, too, is he was really stringent on what the characters could and could not do, like it was in a campaign, and as a GM... In my experience and watching other GMs, one shot should be encountered and taken into account with a bit more whimsical nature to them. You know, characters are going to do stupid things like talk to fairies even when they're not supposed to. And heroic characters are going to try to do more extra heroic shit than they normally would. Because one of the things in a one-shot campaign is there is no... Uh, Lasting repercussions? Exactly. No repercussions. You can be the superest superhero ever. You can be the brown streak, superhero extraordinaire, and speedster of the chocolate rain power. It doesn't matter. It's a one-shot campaign. Have fun with it. And as far as what the characters can and cannot get away with, the, the rules should be relaxed. In my opinion. And I've seen some GMs, you know, they don't relax the rules. And the game's, uh, in a long-term campaign, not relaxing the rules adds that layer of depth to it. You know, that there is some sort of, if you take a certain action, there will be repercussions. But in a one-shot game, what repercussions are there? So why not let the brown streak, you know, paint the town brown? Why not? Why not let a vampire ask for umbilical juice from a three-legged albino Himalayan yak that's seven months pregnant. Yeah, you know, just... That's one of the things that I see about it. And, like, um... I did this at your birthday party, Kaz.
2: Yeah, yes, that was fun.
0: Uh, he pulled me out of retirement to play a one-shot campaign, and I was really down in the dumps. Not even in the mood for it. But I'm like, fuck it, it's a birthday. And I made a intelligence-based... Barbarian. Strength was his dump stat. So completely built all bass, backwards, wrong. Like, good charisma, excellent wisdom, best intelligence.
2: Would have made a so banging f- wizard.
0: A f- decent dexterity, not that great con, definitely not good strength. I think I was rocking like a nine. Rawr, I'm raging on a fucking paper cup and it's winning you know (laughs) but I did that I went into his game and I was just I was there to be whimsical man I was just there to trash shit and have fun you know if Doc Martin had included trash cans in the game I would have just walked on the street kicking them over (laughs) there are no repercussions what are they going to do jail me Oh, oh no we're playing at the AFK tavern I'll just sit AFK from the rest of you guys and eat some fucking chicken wings and plus one tater tots.
2: <laughs>
0: oh my god! That's oh, that would be the causality of the whole situation. I act like a goob and I get to order more food. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Scary. That's why I fucking had a kitten as yeah. a weapon. Yeah, and it worked. A weapon of mass distraction. Nobody could deny the power of kittens. But you wouldn't hurt. A kitten! Okay, that, that. But however, that example is me going to level 10. <laughs> That's me dialing the dial to 10 and just being a dork for the <laughs> sake of being a dork. But it's a one-shot. Why One not? Sh- one-shots are like uh, when you're watching a fucking late-night movie. You're just there burning time. You just hope it's enjoyable.
1: Yeah.
0: Y- y- okay, I'm watching Weekend of Burnies. <clears throat> not that great of a movie. Funny. Hilarious, even. Not that good of a movie, but it's great at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's the example of a one-shot campaign. I did Weekends at Bernie's, but instead of Bernie, it was Bernie Sanders dragging his dead body around. Because there's no repercussions for dragging a senator through a fucking role-playing game.
2: <laughs> <sighs> that was a fun campaign. I
0: could have played like a aboriginal Eskimo in a wingsuit. And with Doc. an afro, <laughs> Doc probably would have let you get away with it. And too. a one-shot, you can get away with some of the craziest shit. If I were to pull in a, a Aboriginal, albino, Eskimo in a wingsuit with an afro into a, a legitimate campaign, blasphemist, you would say no.
1: Yeah, I'd say no.
0: But if it's a one-shot, you'd be like, "Fuck it, let's see where this goes." And and that's the whole point of this tirade is, if you're a GM running a one-shot campaign have a little bit of levity have a little bit of levity have a little bit of wiggle room in the rules it's there for fun you know sure the players should be thankful you're willing to run a game but at the same time if you're willing time (laughs) if if nobody's having fun you're wasting time yep don't, don't take it as seriously as a standard campaign is all I'm trying to say now that I've wasted everybody's day (laughs) just tangent
1: I mean that's definitely one thing to consider with one shots is let them be fun and whimsical and just whatever but doing it like a a pickup game almost where it's like alright I'm just going to hold on to all your character sheets whenever most of us are together we'll just run the game you know that's a whole other aspect of one shots is they can also be used as pickups where it's like alright this one one shot you guys didn't get that far I'm just going to hold on to the paperwork and I don't know next time we're all bored we'll just pick this up where we left off and at that point you've develop, you've you know you've started a campaign at that point mhm
2: and that's the thing is they are perfectly viable as an option to kick a campaign into gear mhm on both sides you know you've got it as and, and this is a great dm's tool as well at one point in the game you're stuck for ideas so you make a bunch of character sheets for your players you go okay we're gonna do something a little different for for this time. Here are your character sheets, you're playing the bad guys, and your goal is to sit down and discuss how the hell you're gonna get rid of this meddlesome group of pests that just won't die. And now as a GM, you just sit back and take notes. Mm-hmm. This is a GM tool, it gives some depth to the, the, the world, it gives some depth to the villains, it gives some depth to the villain, and his and their council.
0: Oh, it's a great way to scare the shit out of players, because if you do a one-shot campaign beforehand, it's only, like, one, maybe two game sessions. And you're like, oh, we're going to do, like, you know, a breather. It's going to be a relaxer game, you know, because you got to get the shit out of your system.
1: Mm-hmm. You
0: sell it to like that to your players. And you let them play the most horrible, vicious, evil, maniacal group of adventurers they could possibly conceive. The worst of the worst of the worst West Point with Honours... Sir, sir, <laughs> and you just have them just like power through shit. And you're like, there's no restrictions on XP. You get a you get XP for anything you kill. Let them go ramshot and you go, or you take uh, Russ's uh, rule. He was talking about a few episodes back, where the more wealth they accrue, they also get XP. Mm-hmm. You know, so they get XP for kills. They get XP for wealth. They get XP for just doing the most off-the-wall balls insane shit just let the the xp flow you're like you know just go ahead and play an evil campaign you know we're just going to get this out of our systems just fast track you know like level an hour kind of shit Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then once you like uh, get to the conclusion of that you're like okay you guys are now the badasses you rule the land yay you're overlords congrats congrats
2: now we've had it out of our system, we're going to go back to serious play.
0: No, no, no. Now you got to add out of your system. Not only are we going back to serious play, your new characters are inhabitants of the land that the previous group have now dominated. Those are the villains. Have fun. Because the player and characters are going to know what those villains are capable of. And they're going to be like, holy shit. I yeah. made this monster. One shots are also a setup. Mm-hmm. Surprise! I was keeping that one in my pocket. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you can set
0: some neat shit up with a one shot. Oh God, yes. It's
2: like, how are you gonna rule? What's the, you know, what are the mo- motivations for doing this? Because I can.
1: Uh-uh, that worked. Because I can. Well, there's also the the great story we all know from uh, the guys running a campaign basically for a single dude, and he's a. Uh, Doing the necromancer for good, oh, and yeah, then the heroes this. are running around undoing what the necromancer did. And when they finally meet up with the necromancer, he's like, "I was doing this, you know, for humanity to be free, or you know, all this, and now it's just ruined." And fuck you guys.
2: Yeah, they, did, they instead of getting a boss fight, they got a sad, broken man lying on his deathbed,
1: yep.
0: waiting mm-hmm. for the end. That was a that was a full on campaign, though, not a one shot.
1: True, but brilliantly done. It it builds off of your deal of you do a one shot, and now uh, now you got to fight them. You know.
0: Well, it would be a great way to make the player characters really fear the bad guys when they know the bad guys will rape and pillage and plunder and kill and murder and maim and torture with no remorse whatsoever, and that. They have a special rule applied to their character sheets that says get XP for everything that dies, even bugs. Plus, they played those characters so they already know what's in that evil dude's mindset. They're like, yeah, if we show up and and start trying to negotiate or tell him how to run things, he's just going to gut us for fucking entertainment. (laughs) He's just going to add our skin to his throne, okay? No. Fuck this, I'm moving.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's like, what do you do? Um, uh, uh, I cast a spell. (laughs) You're in an anti-magic zone set up by your previous character.
0: Yeah, it's like the uh, fucking superhero game that I was talking about in one of our other shows that we're still doing. Like, you guys are still doing a prequel. That's longer than a one-shot. But a one-shot is also a great way to set up a prequel. You can set up a one-shot where you say you're doing Dungeons & Dragons... And it's a one-shot campaign, everybody's playing 7th level characters, but you as the GM are the only one who knows that the conclusion of tonight's one-shot campaign, everybody
1: dies.
0: (laughs) And then, you know, you're just like, oh, I'm sorry, you know, it was just a total party wipe, the monster was just more badass than I expected. You know what, let's start a new game. You know, now that I've realized my mistake, let's start a new game. Again, you're selling your group on some bullshit. But your new game is actually the legitimate storyline, and some at some point, like say two, three months into the game session of real time, you let it break that the characters are actually after like this artifact. The MacGuffin is under the protection of like a pair of Gorgon sisters, and the last car- people who went down there to fi- fight them all died a horrible, vicious death. Mm-hmm. and then they get the names of the characters who died and of course it's the previous characters out of the one shot
1: <laughs> and you're like
0: surprise you guys were in the sequel <laughs> those are fun so yeah it does give away the fact that you know the players may get advanced knowledge' they're like oh we're gonna be fighting gorgons for sure but at the same time they'll be like yeah last time we fought them they weren't fighting fair they're they, you know they're using the home ground advantage or whatever that, It's not good to just be an open field and ooh rar throw arrows at each other. (coughs) Just saying.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Also gives you a pretty good reason to bring up, (coughs) you know, to break that CR mold. Right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You
2: know, as a DM, you can, like, parties, a well-coordinated party is terrifying. Absolutely. Div. The Div episode.
0: Well-coordinated parties do not happen enough. And you guys prove what I have said all along, that a group that works together is more dangerous than any encounter the GM can throw at them. Yeah.
1: Which one was this? The div. This the is... div. So the div. When... You guys
0: work together. You guys actually nailed down your strategy and tactics, and you basically took a creature that was more powerful than what was intended and annihilated the shit out of him.
2: In, like, two rounds.
1: I don't remember this. Okay, oh, hey. so here's
2: the story for, for those of us who can't remember. I was playing the Inquisitor. Nez was playing her 50 Cuffs monk.
0: Yeah, These are the two
2: important characters of this. The,
0: Although Narcissus would say he is important, but he was just standing there holding his sword.
2: Yeah, you know, with his
0: whole movement speed of twenty.
2: Yeah. So what happens is, my character, being religious, is like, that is a dib. Fuck that thing. I I hit it with a judgment. I had taken a teamwork feat because I recognize that our party has a lot of frequent hitters. So I took a teamwork feed that says on hit where I could activate my judgment I may instead mark the target and spread my judgment damage to each sequential attack for the next round. Nez went ham. Because I'm like hit it now and Nez went okay Flurry of Blows, Mythic Flurry, Key Flurry, and just like Nine attacks in that one turn.
0: Yeah, she chained together a shitload of attacks.
2: And... each was of the... I
0: asleep? You probably... were a little
2: bit groggy. It was... Um, yeah. Anyway. This was in Nez, Nezhen... Like... Uh, Nezhen uh, Nars' place. I think that's five was...
0: Right? Well, regardless. The fact is, you guys work together. hmm And so... a one-shot campaign, though. I mean, like, if I said... You know, you guys are doing a one-shot campaign. You play a bunch of mm. heroes... And everybody runs off to go do their own thing. A one-shot is a great time to figure out, you know...
2: Party cohesion.
0: Party cohesion. Or just kill people. Yeah. It's a great way to, you know... I mean, kill characters. (laughs) It's a great way to uh, get the GM to, you know, vent some stress. So instead of doing the evil campaign, you're like, okay, we're going to do a one-shot. And just... Fucking don't tell the player characters that you've also included Jason Voorhees in there at CR20. <laughs> so, player, you know, he's like, Oh, I'm gonna go hit the outhouse and get drunk. Re, 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 Jason! <laughs> you know, and then the other player characters walk out there and they find like half of his character missing. Just everything from the waist up is gone. And there's like machetes stuck in everything. It's just, uh, I don't know what happened. The next player character is like, Well, then I might as well go to bed. Re, 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 Jason's under the bed and stabs him. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta kill characters just to have a good time.
2: <laughs> Thanks for an interesting Halloween theme. No, but... if
0: I were to do a Halloween theme, and I know it's a bit early, but... If I was doing a one-shot Halloween game, I would take, like, normal everyday people I'd do, like, a chill or paranoia game or uh, modern D20. And, like, the entire group comes together for, like, a convention of some sort. Or... Which is outside of the realm of their interests. Okay, so they go to, like, a fucking State Farm Insurance Fair. You know, who the fuck wants to go see booths and panels hosted by State Farm and Geico and Vern Funk and Allstate? Who the fuck wants to do this unless they're being paid to be there?
1: Yeah. Or
2: they're desperate.
0: Or they're desperate, right? Right. Or they go to a fucking convention for uh, dental hygienics. That's some off-the-wall shit, right? But all the player characters wind up there. You know, they got the the fucking badge. They're there for whatever reason. And like, at the convention, so you basically have the convention in a hotel, there's some sort of mystery that goes down. Bad jujus and shit. Then the player characters, you know, go off-site to, say, investigate, you know, Said location, that's the source, which is Creepy Land, motherfucker. <laughs> you know, so then you got the Jason. The Ford, abandoned
1: carnival at the edge of town. The
0: abandoned carnival at the edge of the town. They gotta investigate the carnival town, right? Right. So they go from what the fuck, Allstate Insurance slash Dental Hygienics fair to abandoned fucking carnival. Jason Voorhees shows up, maybe gags somebody who's in on the know beforehand who's willing to let their character die because they got real life shit. Mm-hmm. So they get ganked, you know, to prove that, you know, once your character's dead. They're dead. Done. You know, so run the characters through that. Then at the end of it, the characters, of course, naturally, hopefully, will figure shit out, get the kill on the bad guy, bad guy goes dead, ugh. And then I would end the, get the one-shot game for Halloween with everybody waking up including guy who got killed, well except for guy who got killed because he probably left a game session to go home and take care of real life business. They're in on the dough, maybe. And then like I would explain there but you know they wake up and they're in bed and you know the fuzzy thoughts of being at some sort of fucking place with people in suits talking about auto insurance and the carnival and slasher. You know, the, the fuzziness starts fading out of your mind as you take your morning shower or have your breakfast. And the players would all realize it was just a dream. And it just as you start setting down, you know, your, your GM screen and your folding notes and stuff, just randomly roll a die, you know, assign everybody a number and be like, Oh, and as you open your front door there's a masked individual, and he just fucking slashes the shit out of you. Your character's dead. <laughs> You know, so that'd be just totally horror trope right there, where they think it was all a dream, and then like one guy opens the door to go to work and re, 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 re dead. (laughs) You know, that actually
1: kind of lends into a good idea for a uh, a way to do a one shot with your campaign characters, and having no repercussions is, you know, you get and you enter into a dream realm, run through this mini adventure, and when you come out, you're no worse for wear, except maybe some PTSD.
0: Well, dreams, uh, dream stuff should. Dream be mechanics used.
1: is wacky.
0: Well, dream mechanics is not really wacky, but dreams and time travel are those two areas that should be used very sparingly. And unless your game really does center around dreams a lot or time travel, there's no reason to include them often at all. Uh-huh. Like maybe one or two times, you know, like for the dream sequence or whatever, or a time travel sequence. But unless these are part of the core mechanics of your game, they should not appear often.
2: Yeah, it's very easy to abuse them, and then people start questioning which path they need to be taking, the dream world or the real world, and you start getting this, like, cock block of progress as people start arguing over that.
1: Well, if it's a thing, though, where, like, you've got someone who... Say, like with me, you've got some military guys. Turns out that two of them are going to be on deployment for a couple months, but you keep on a running game... So you take the remaining players and they get popped into a dream world because, you know, the last thing they did was go on a long rest, and that's a way for you to have them go through a joint adventure without it having too many repercussions, but they get some sort of reward out of it. Yes and no. This is a tricky thing, especially
2: because you have to have them roleplay out the way you had that dream too. Mm -hmm. That whole point, like if you're doing a group dream sequence part of it has to include that aftermath wait everyone had this dream mm-hmm. then you can start playing with mind games <laughs> but you can start messing with a villain who fucks with dreams yeah. you can start adding detail to the world like oh yeah there's a school of, man- a school of magic that you know deals with dreams Maybe, or you, should... you can
0: really fuck with them and the bad guy in the dream world is actually the bad guy in the real world because the real world is the dream world and the bad guy is actually the good guy who's trying to pull them out of the dream world and by the only way to do he knows to do that is through physical confrontation so he waits till they're asleep in the dream world and pulls them back into the real world and engages them in combat hoping to keep them awake long enough for them to realize boom if you just followed all that congratulations <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's that's the kind of bullshit you can pull, and it's fantastic. I caught it. So, okay. you know,
0: you can... Maybe like... Margulis wasn't wrong.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we saw that.
0: Well,
1: we're approaching the end of our
0: scheduled <laughs> program, yeah. program, fellas, so let's go hour final hour. thoughts. Final thoughts. <clears throat> if a troll happens to be in the bathhouse... And you are playing a character who is either a dwarf, halfling, or no. Just carry an umbrella. It's the only way you're not going to see Troll Dongle.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like at eye level. It, terrifying. There's nothing like a just a fucking pickle. Slapping around between a troll's thighs. He's walking around the bathhouse. And you're at eye level with it. Just... Game Goblin out!
2: (laughs) Well, that's a fun image, I guess. Um, One shots are fun. It's just, you know, take them a little lighthearted and let them be a good learning experience on both sides. Learn the mechanics of the game, learn the mechanics of the group dynamic. Learn whether or not a person will be of use to your gaming group as a proper. But don't let them be this ultra-serious thing. And that's about
1: all I got. Kazakad,
2: back to these guys.
1: Uh, what I gotta say is one-shots can be fun and informative. Uh, find a way to use them and utilize them to the best of your ability and play as many of them as you can as a player. Doth Blasphemous Out.
0: But I don't want to go to Uncle Tutsu's treasure dungeon.